0: welcome to vision of zion the date today is april 13th 2023 i've got sean white with me on the phone today again how you doing sean good thank you craig all right well folks we're going to start to accelerate the number of podcasts we're going to do and the question is why Well, it's because there's so much going on right now, and there's so much material to be covered in a shorter amount of time than we had previously thought we could do this in, that we've decided to get up early in the morning and as often as we can to put together a podcast. We have a ton of material. We're going to go through the entire book of Isaiah, as we have done previously, and we're also going to cover some selected topics that might arise as we feel inspired or impressed upon to cover. So, first of all, I want to just say that there are events happening. I open up the news every day, and I see major stories that just are begging for attention, analysis, discussion, and also to compare these things in the light of the scriptures, in light of prophecy, in light of what people have seen about the future, to see if what is shaping together fits the paradigms that are set forth in scripture, the patterns, the types and shadows, and also just outright direct relation to those verses being fulfilled in scripture. So, Sean, I know you had been talking about the king of Assyria, and although you haven't, and that's because Isaiah is talking about the king of Assyria and the Assyrians, and of course the Assyrians are the ones who carried off israel the northern kingdom and scattered the tribes so it's a fitting uh, analogy for the future so just i know you can't identify like a particular country or won't or you know can't whatever the right word is it doesn't matter but the point is you've been pointing out that assyria is kind of it's not antichrist it is the way in which the Lord chastens his people or chastens the world. Do you want to lay a little bit more foundation about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like using Isaiah's terms since, uh, you know, we're doing, I'm doing so much studying in Isaiah and feel like he describes him very well. But in reality, we can see him in the book of Daniel, and we can see him in the book of Revelations in chapter 13 as a, second beast that he describes with two horns versus the first beast, which has uh, seven heads and 10 horns and 10 crowns and so forth. So that's it's more lines with the scriptures of Isaiah to say king of Assyria, and then his alliance as he gets other countries to join him.
0: I'm looking at the index of terms in Abraham Giliadi's book the book of Isaiah a new translation with interpretive keys from the book of Mormon which he printed back was the early 90s let me check here the copyright 1988 so it was that's when I first uh, probably acquired this book was in the early 90s anyway yeah there are many references to Assyria and the king of Assyria what, uh, what do you want to talk about today in relation to future events that are going to be upon us and, you know, at some point in the future? Well, I going to call today's,
1: uh, podcast December raid, and this was a vision given to me several years ago. And it was so emotional for me that I couldn't hardly write it down and, uh, through some of the things Craig was saying here uh, three, four weeks ago, we were saying there in a group of men we were talking with, I decided, you know, it's time to finally write this down. And it was just so emotional for me to do this.
0: I think what triggered it is speaking to a friend of mine who is a, who writes movie scripts and he had written a couple of movie scripts we'll get him on sometime but he wrote a couple of movie scripts and then I had an impression I said hey you need to do a third one to put it all together and he was saying well what is what is that supposed to be and I didn't know at the time and as we talked over the next few days and weeks uh, an idea formed and it had to do with a Let's, we'll call it a fictional future, but it's interesting because both of his scripts that were written over 20 years ago have kind of come to fruition. And so I think he has some, oh, inspiration deep inside that is helping him to maybe paint a fictional account of what's going to happen in the future. And one of the things he was describing was people being placed in camps, not unlike the japanese were placed in camps in the united states during world war ii and he describes a pretty bleak thing and during covid we saw things happening for example in australia where people were being put in these uh i'm sure they don't call them camps but they had these places where they were put people in isolation and we've seen and heard about the re-education quote-unquote, reeducation camps in China that are and have been going on for some time that are being spoken out against. Uh, and I had a classmate who described to me what happened in China when she was there growing up. So this was post-communist takeover of China by the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. And the re-education process that occurred and the reduction and having a one child, one family policy. And just I learned a lot of things from her throughout our three years together in law school as we sat next to each other in the Carols where we studied. Anyway, uh it was a pretty bleak picture. And and then I've heard discussion, although I really haven't dug into it, about these, you know, so-called FEMA camps. Uh Changing or turning retail centers into places where they can hold people and people sending photographs—it all seemed, frankly, to me, kind of spurious, Sean. But you had a vision about something like these things happening. Maybe you could describe now what what. Well, I don't know what your starting point or takeoff point is, but please take it from there.
1: Um, I was shown in a certain December after the King of Assyria's alliance came in. our country offering the mark upon our hand to buy seller trade that they began to gather many up that had not received this mark upon their hand into what we might term FEMA camps now these camps were away from the cities out in the deserts or isolated areas old government uh, buildings or offices that were abandoned and just kind of not used anymore, but had been quietly set up for re-education camps by our government at a certain point. But then when the King of Assyria's Alliance came in, that was kind of all null and void, and they took over all these plans and ways. So I know most of us would call this mark the mark of the beast, but I saw people lining up... um, at places like walmart or big stores that we normally would go to as they went in they had a, a person there a greeter and uh promising all these things of free vaccinations money food buying what you needed to if you would just sign this agreement and get A chip in your hand between your thumb and your index finger and it wasn't supposed to hurt very much and underneath your skin here would have this and it was quite a a sight to see many also turned and refused and went home and uh, it, it was just so amazing to see this prophecy fulfilled but what had happened earlier that year was a plague had been upon us and actually it started out thinking it was a pandemic and turned into a plague because of the large number of people dying and people began to get even more fearful and worried about being able to get a vaccination to stop it. And about a year before that, we'd had a huge financial crisis which the stock market collapsed. Many of the falsehoods that people are portraying about their companies being successful were exposed and Mm -hmm. lots and lots of people have lost their jobs and people were hungry. And then shipping had almost come to a complete stop. And we weren't getting things in the grocery stores like we're used to. And cost of things were absorbently high. And the crops were destroyed through different means of hail and drought and uh, frost and all those crops that had not been prayed over by the farmers were destroyed many were in, still involved in trying to find jobs make money to you know maintain their house you know the payments of their house it, it was just all so confusing that people could not see at that time how that this was the mark of the beast they were just looking to you know be able to buy groceries for their family and get this vaccination so they so many just really readily accepted getting this mark and uh, those refusing that they could see the mark became kind of entrapped and they began to bust them away very quietly, very secretly into these fema type camps, which are better described as being re-education camps.
0: And, okay. Why don't we stop there for a second? I have a lot of questions okay. uh, and maybe comments. So who is being targeted for this re-education? basically many Christians had
1: seen and been watching for this mark of the beast and these Christians that had read this and stuff could see this sign. And so they would turn and, and run or stay away from these places where they were getting this mark.
0: Okay. So let's, let's let, a lot of, a lot of issues here. So first of all, um, I shared with you, I'm going to share with everybody else. I'm going to put it in the description of this podcast. Uh, a vision given to a man. I think he's he was probably an evangelist. I'm not sure which branch of Christianity. His name was Ken Peters or Kenneth Peters. He became a minister. And you can find his uh, two-hour and 28-minute presentation to the Bible Prophecy Club. I think it was called. It's called, the headline in YouTube is, Prophet and peters i saw the great tribulation high quality and i'll have a link now i shared that with you not very long ago correct yeah in fact we were talking
1: about this dream or vision he says wait a minute you got to listen to this guy It's so similar
0: yes you've been talking about things and i'd heard this years ago so after you listen to his description of what he saw and uh, by the way i've already said this before but ken peters is now deceased but he he had an amazing life and an amazing ministry when he went south of the united states and i think it was in central america and just incredible things he kind of basically said later he gave up on the american citizens because they just they weren't listening they weren't malleable and able and willing to accept god's word so he went where the the ground was more fertile and farming was unbelievable what they did down there. But at any rate, uh, he describes a process whereby first people tried to persuade Christians to give up their faith. Then they tried more extreme measures, and the farther you went— people were dropping like flies basically they were giving up their faith giving up their religion and then there were the hardcore ones and they went from using really um you know simple tactics uh, pers- tactics of persuasion it became more and more uh aggressive until the point they were murdering people who would not um deny their faith now is that pattern the same that you saw yeah, I saw that by October, in that time frame,
1: that they started literally hunting people down, going house to house, to find those that had not received the mark upon their hand.
0: Okay. Now, this has been an issue for me. Uh, let me explain what my issue is. I've I've read Revelation 13 about the mark in the hand or in the forehead, or excuse me, the wrist or the forehead. Uh, I mean, I we could have a whole podcast seriously on stuff that I've read and the questions I have. So, I'm going to try and, try and keep it simple now. We'll go back to it. So, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the people who believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ. They have a mark on their forehead, which I believe to be symbolic. I don't think people who believe in God, you know, get a tattoo on their forehead or whatever or a chip. So to me, it wasn't necessary that the mark of the beast in Revelation 13 had to be a physical mark or a computer chip. So why is it that um, there is a physical thing compared to God's, which is not physical? Am I and and is it physical?
1: You know what I saw was the the mark on our forehead was a seal, kind of made by Christ. That you would be unwavering and everything and you can kind of see a light among different people and be drawn to them that have the seal upon their forehead that they just feel all open warm and welcoming and you want to be with them and uh, this is the mark of of christ upon them which these people are safe during this time you see at the same time in the About six months in advance, the servant that Isaiah talks about has called and asked all the people to gather, and all those that have had the mark on their forehead easily recognize this servant and the words he's saying and go, oh my, it's time for Isaiah to unfold, and we've got to listen, and we've got to move into these areas, and they are protected from this alliance. and. It's so interesting to me because now the wicked being marked on their foreheads, you can just look at somebody on TV or in a book or something and say, oh, my gosh, I do not want to be with them. I would not feel comfortable in their presence. And you're just repulsed. And they are so evil that they're just repulsing. And this is because they've had the mark of... The beast put upon their forehead they're just so evil they don't need it in their hand. they just are one of the evil evil ones
0: so okay so there is a certain light that comes from the followers of christ that people will be able to resonate or see sounds yeah. like an aura almost uh then then you've got the beast so we have darkness coming from people who have who have uh turned their backs or do not believe in christ uh, and then we have this physical there's also a, a physical mark associated with the mark of the beast it's a physical mark or or a, a chip a computer chip yeah and it's recharged every
1: time you pass your hand underneath a scanner to be okay to go into their stores the you know this mark of the beast it's so interesting because they offer you the world, so to speak. You have all these things in front of you. Come and look at our everything that we have. And the servant of Christ, he's like, come unto me and you'll be safe. And there's no promise, no physical promise that you're going to be taken care of. You just have to follow by the promptings of the Spirit. You go, here's one thing. They've got all these pictures and all this hard evidence and here you have God, and he doesn't have any hard evidence. It's just a feeling, and then actually you go towards Christ, and you are blessed far beyond what you could imagine, and not only in the feelings, but you're taken care of with all the food that you need, not overabundance, but everything that you need at that time, and the camaraderie of all the people that uh, want to live like you and be like you.
0: So I want to explore this this mark since we're kind of going there right now. So I want to tell you what I've heard, Sean, and what I've listened to and read, because I've been interested in this issue. And the first time I really dug into this was a man talking about, he was a scientist who had not, was not a Christian, developing this wonderful technology where you could put a chip in uh, the body. And he didn't, like I say, he wasn't a Christian this is the kind of thing we see put, being put into pets so you can find your pet. You know, great, has some great uh, applications if it's in the right hand. So pet identifiers, pets get lost. They have this just chip inserted. So this has been around a while. And at the time, you couldn't store much on a chip at the time he was giving this story, but or he his account of when he was the scientist working on this technology. And of course, when he read revelation 13 he was horrified as he became a christian and saw the applications for this chip that they developed and what he described was this chip would have your name it would have various pieces of information about you it was seven or eight pieces i'm sure they can put a lot more but what he said was that what they figured out was the place to implant this it was a lithium battery run and the one that he worked on uh the reason the wrist and the forehead were the best places to insert the chip were because the lithium battery would recharge by the change in temperature in the body. It goes hot to cold, cold to hot. This would recharge um, the battery. And he said, I'm just quoting him now, that the best sort place on the body in which the temperature switches like that is the forehead at the hairline and in the wrist. He went on to say that if you go look at the word 666 in the scriptures, and I, I you can look this up on the Strong's Concordance, well, again, we'll do a deeper dive on this, but the 666 are three Greek letters. Some Greek letters also are, have a numerical value. But the first word is chi, C, I'm going to be saying it right, chi or chi, C-H-I. The second word is z, or she, it's, uh, xi, or xi, it's xi. And the third word is, st- is stigma. Kaxi stigma is if you look at the Greek on those three letters. And stigma, uh, I remember he said, and I looked it up and I was shocked. There it was. It says, insertion under the skin as with a needle. Like, wow. Oh, my God. And he was freaked out when he went and looked at the words. So he is convinced that this chip is, is what it is. Now, last night I was listening to... I'll I'll get the link for this, but it was a woman talking about how having this uh, tattoo put on or or and swallowing something, uh, same. It was the same principle. Uh, It was a switch that would click off and on, and she called it her superpower. You know, because now you don't have to have credit cards. You don't have to have anything. You can go places and do things as long as you are what granted permission, and it tracks your every move and she was talking about this and it reminded me of this guy who talked about this earlier much earlier we're talking i heard this you know 15 years ago this this chip um that could recharge inserted in the skin and she's talking about swallowing something and or and putting a tattoo on and and what it could do and she was passing it around to these tech heads they're the ones with the big red chairs i'll, I'll look it up and get it for it for everybody in the show notes but you know, just she kept saying the word superpower. So, yeah, uh, when you said that it was, uh, they could offer the world, if you got the right permissions, you could do it. Now, the guy talking about the chip that was inserted in the skin, they had the several pieces of information. Um, he said that one of the things they could do is they could cause the uh, lithium battery to leak. So, lithium battery, lithium is very dangerous for. The human body, at least the type that's in a battery. And if those things break open or can be broken open, they can kill people. So it was a horrifying uh you know story about a you know future dystopia based on existing technology. And of course things have only accelerated since then. Does any of you know, this uh ring a bell? Yeah, you know, there's a friend that
1: actually both of us know. I haven't told you this, but this fellow developed the chip. That goes in the cattle ear and uh, it tracks their heart rate and uh, lots of other things concerning their health as well as their location and in dairy situations it will record back how much milk was given to that cow of that cow and they can keep all these detailed records of when she last gave a calf and they can use it not only in the dairy but in the beef industry and tracking them and uh all computerized and a friend of our a joint friend of ours actually developed that so very hmm. interesting
0: well people are going to be bragging about these chips in this and and there are people that use them i've seen people in europe who instead of having to carry around a badge uh, or have to use you know biometric uh screening processes just have a chip inserted in their arm and they pass it over a A scanner to get into a building and so we see the technologies there whereas it i think you know around 100 ad roughly when john wrote these things down in the book of revelation was it even possible to conceive i guess you could think of uh tattoos like in the world war ii i was watching some footage in concentration camps where The people who were put in those camps largely jewish they were given tattoos and marks and some of them were on the forearm and uh so we can see even that kind of a mark or tattoo would do it but but a chip that grants superpowers to people who are willing to take a knee and bow to the new overlords that are going to require this or encourage it and if you get it then you get all kinds of privileges and if you don't then you don't get the privileges
1: Exactly. Um, One of the challenging things to overthrowing this country is Christians. And that's why part of all this is denying Christ, because as long as you have Christians, they believe in God and they have hope and they will not turn to someone else. And so we've got to crush Christianity And so they've got to get you to deny Christ. And that's also
0: tied with this. So I read accounts in China during COVID where in order to receive government assistance, you had to give up your Christianity or give up your Christian books or your Bible because they do have Christians in China. But they would not give them access to let's say, the welfare system that was available to those who are not working during COVID, and they needed government assistance to survive because they're all in lockdown. Uh, There were accounts coming out where they had to give up their scriptures, give up their, I don't know if they'd take an oath or anything, but they had to give up stuff and turn stuff in or they wouldn't give them the benefits. Now, go ahead. All of this is so similar to what I was reading this week
1: in the bible about king resin r-e-z-i-n and uh, he was ephraimite king that reigned from damascus and they had all of this what we'd call assyria today and he began to rise up and try to form pacts with some other countries and things and he was trying to get protection and things against the king of assyria ultimately the pacts all fell apart and they killed him and took over his people and led them northward to get them out of that area and to you know kind of take away all their fight take away all their pride and get them to work kind of as slaves for them
0: i am and watching oh, going
1: this kind of matches up with this timeline In that the Assyrians come in, and then those that did not receive the mark on their hand, they gathered them up. And secretly and quietly, they start flying them to other countries that have allied with them, their partner countries. And they're promising these people as they get on the planes and stuff, land, homes, new businesses, all under their new utopia or their new uh, idea of what society should look like. And the reality is, is when they get there, they are slaves and they're to work for whatever country it is and support that country's businesses and farms. You know, they're under, they're really holding them down. They're just flat slaves. That's all there is to it.
0: You have to wonder what the Germans were telling people as they loaded them into the rail cars where they were going. Exactly. Same principle they they never so, uh, want to load that they were going to be captured so my impression about the vaccines and is that this is this is my impression so you tell me if i'm wrong because uh, i've i've had certain impressions about this my impression has been that this covid of obviously there's a global movement for control and a one world government or new order or world order that's been going on for decades and decades. I believe it's a satanic movement because this plays right into what Satan's pre-mortal plan was, which is why we talked about the pre-mortal plan so much in the prior podcasts. But my impression was that, and we did see people say, Hey, if you didn't get the vaccine, then you don't deserve to get any medical care. If you get COVID. And I've read emails and private conversations between medical professionals who were sharing this and saying this but my impression was that just like china the day is going to come when instead of it being uh maybe a convenience to get the vaccine or this this vaccine clearly has uh it's not safe and effective for everyone there's mounting data underreported reported bears data which is the database that records side effects people were afraid to report it were intimidated and prevented or restrained or refrained from reporting it to keep their jobs to underreport the side effects we're seeing uh people dying suddenly which for currently there's not a lot of you know evidence tying it to covid or long tail covid but it's growing amounting of information you just have to follow the non-mainstream stories that are coming out again i'm not saying it's a majority of people but anyway, the point of it is, I had the impression, I've had the impression that in the future, they're going to have another type of a plague or situation, I think you were touching on this, where they're going to have the cure. They're going to have, and maybe even if 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 this isn't too wild of a speculation, it could be another leak or a man-made manipulation of a... Uh, normal um, flu or vaccine or, or whatever excuse me not vaccine a normal thing that's been manipulated uh, for experimentation and then they already have the cure but this time this particular man-made uh, uh, infectious disease they're going to have the cure for but in order for you to get it you have to uh, meet certain criteria which could eventually be you know, like in China, you have to deny your faith or maybe have this higher ESG score or whatever, which we'll talk about in a minute, in order to get the vaccine. So people will be begging for the vaccine because, so they'll be in full control. Now, is that an an accurate impression?
1: Yes. In fact, in the chapter of Isaiah we did here just the other day, I believe, I'm thinking it was 28, we talk about the scourge of illness, And it really goes in detail about this and how those that had prayed about it and didn't get the vaccine that God had prepared a way for them that they were going to be saved and how the the others that relied on the arm of flesh that day after day they became plagued with terror and things until they turned their heart to Christ and got on their knees and offered up everything to Christ, you know, just, you know, broken heart and a contrite spirit, sackcloth and ashes experience. And that's the whole point of all of this and all these tribulations is just to turn our hearts back to Christ and to kneel down and acknowledge that we put him first in our, everything that we do.
0: Another source of this information to read about is to go look at and listen to um, Joel Skousen, who is definitely a realist bordering on pessimist. And I like to say, I hate it when he's right because he never has good news. And he describes these issues in detail. He does these year-end summaries of the past year and what he thinks is going to happen in the upcoming year. So his last one was... December of 2022, I'm going to put a link to that. It's a couple hours long. I haven't gone through it, Sean, you've gone through it. And I know we're going to use that as a jumping point to see if some of the things that he thinks are going to happen and extrapolates match with your, uh, with some of your visions and we'll compare at a later date. But he talks about, I thought it was accurate when he said, uh, you know, the scriptures say fear not. Or if you're prepared, you shall not fear. But he said the kind of fear that the scriptures are talking about are your spiritual salvation. But there's there's going to be plenty of things coming along that are going to cause us uh, <laughs> some concerns, <laughs> for sure. Um, ESG scores. People don't. I hope they appreciate what this is. There's there's a movement again. Part of this part of the to obtain global control, you've got to control people's finances. The whole point of Revelation 13 is you cannot buy or sell unless you've you know taken the mark and the mark is taken when you deny Christ. you deny God. And the CSG score, environmental social and governance score is being pushed on banks and other institutions, I assume by people above them who have control over them who can manipulate them. And they are starting to require people to have a score or they can't buy or sell. I think this is part of it too.
1: It's a funnel effect in which our choices are getting narrower and narrower and narrower to where it will appear that we have no choice, but there's always a choice with God. So interesting.
0: Under Trump, they restricted... um, Requiring investment funds to to be, you know, have to be environmental, social, and governance issue related. Uh, and now that's back on the table. And uh, so Biden used the veto power last month to keep the ESG investing rule in place. So this is a tool they can use. So businesses are being forced or they can't, you know, buy sell invest excuse me they can't loan or borrow money rather unless they are you know participating in this system and of course what is what are the environmental rules what are the other rules well it's whatever they say it is yeah come trapped in following only what they just think we deserve or what we should do so i don't know if it matters but the plague that you saw is the coming uh i've read accounts where uh i'm talking sarah Monet. i'm talking uh the other woman name escapes me right this second but i've read these accounts where she said that somebody dropped a vial of sounds like a biological agent into a large population center or centers and that these spread and caused major disease and plagues uh, of some kind is this the kind of thing that you saw or did you see a different kind of a plague yeah exactly they
1: were spread by man by breaking a vial or wiping of course they don't want to touch it but they could easily open something and run it down a handrail or something that everybody touches and it just propagates faster and faster. It's all man-made on the first one. There's three coming towards us, and we've just had a pandemic, not a plague. And then the next one will be a real plague where we have enough numbers. The difference between a pandemic and a plague is the number that die, out of percentage that die when they get it. You know, we have on the horizon now the Marburg virus, the this new one they came. It was talked about yesterday. This new type of candida, and there's no known cure for. It's very hard to even diagnose if you have it, and uh, there's a couple of others out there that could easily develop into a full-blown plague.
0: So I don't know if people remember, but there were men caught in the Washington state, I believe, the Seattle area, who were who had been infected with. Covid, and they were caught licking the outside of bottles in grocery stores or some type of store that people would pick items up. So when you say it, it's being spread intentionally, uh, we don't have to look farther back than a couple of years where people were caught doing this. Exactly. So at this
1: time period, you know, here we have one group being flown off into other countries which have received the mark. And we have another group that's actually being put into re-education camps because they're too dangerous to have Christianity spread in these alliance countries. And so they're being shoved off into these re-education camps until they can deny Christ. Then we actually have this third group which have listened to the servant and are gone to these protected valleys that have unseen protection over them, like a bubble of protection over them. And, um, you know, it's so interesting. And an early winter comes in and some very severe earthquakes happen, which are beyond what well, anything we have seen. In fact, the one fault line that I saw in America ran 800 miles and it disturbed many of the roads and um, isolated different areas because the roads the mountain passes that they would get to completely isolated these saints or the ones that had listened to the servant and with this early winter coming in and it's a hard winter it really stopped this invasion of the alliance from going further it just landlocked everything the highway crews were not being paid anymore the wind blew and drifted and that many people had recognized, oh my gosh, it's finally time. But it was after they didn't remember hearing the servant tell of these safe places. So they gather in their cars and they try to come towards the mountains for safety. And they don't make it. They get landlocked or snowlocked out there in the plains. They run out of gas and amazingly there are people that have been prompted that i saw to gather in extra supplies extra clothing and they begin to live in through the winter in people's garages the extra tents that some of these people have and try to wait out the winter and uh, of course this prevents the king of Assyria from advancing very much at all. And even when he has advanced, then they can't get supplies into their own troops and their troops are starting to starve to death in some areas. But now to the east of the Rockies, as you go east of them, there is pillaging, plunder, rape. They they really are, those people are so punished I hate to even talk about what I see east of the Rockies it's just horrific and they recognized that if they had given up their their homes and just come to the servant and what the servant said that they'd have been okay and they'd been protected um, but luckily you know it's just amazing to see how God had spoken to the what I call gathers and these places uh, across the West, where you know, I've seen many cases where people have built huge shops and then just started filling them with clothes and barrels or gotten extra food with the money that they had. They, I just, these are unbelievable people that have listened to God and prepared ahead of time to help others and to bring them safely in.
0: It's when I when I was in a dropship business for a while, um and we were operating out of the west, almost everything we sold went to the east because that's where the population centers were. And most of the sales that occurred, you know, were shipped to the east coast. And we see this in our elections, we see this in our population maps that in the in the in the northeast and along the eastern seaboard, it's where our population centers are in this country. So it makes sense to me that that would be a place where there's more uh, suffering and difficulties in those in those highly dense areas compared to the re- the western half of the United States.
1: When you look at a population map, you'll find that on the east side of the Mississippi River. of the population lies on the east side of the Mississippi River. Only 20% of the United States population lies west of the Mississippi River. It's a huge differentiation, really a lot of difference. The interesting thing, as I saw and traveled with Christ, was that there are communities outside of the valleys that the servant asked them to gather in. The valleys are strewn from the... uh, Canada all the way down to Arizona, almost Mexican border, and I call them all the time the inner valleys because they're kind of protected by mountains all the way around them. But I saw several other mountain communities or communities around that had a degree of protection or another, and I asked the Savior why these were receiving so much protection. He said, this they are living like Christ, they are at one with their neighbors, they seek to have no poor among them, that they are treating each other as I would treat them. And they, so the degree of protection that each of these other areas had was in the degree to that they were acting and doing like Christ, which was just overwhelming to me, but it made total sense to me as I saw so we have go ahead go ahead craig it will let you
0: so just to summarize we have plagues we have um, contention we have all of the problems that come from plagues and shortages which leads to strife leads to lawlessness i've had friends in the military tell me many times in a time of great stress and trouble do you think that the police officers and the law enforcement are going to be out there with their lives at risk taking care of the public no they're going to go home and protect their own (laughs) you told me this so many times that's just human nature so when there's complete breakdown there's not going to be uh, a system in place of protection we've already been warned in the last few years Uh, since the uh, shooting of george floyd and the retraction of uh, police protection the crime rise by the lack of numbers of law enforcement and imagine what would happen when there's total chaos and there is no law enforcement well they're not going to get
1: paid the king of Assyria, as they come in, they're not going to all of a sudden take over the payrolls and pay these people. They're not going to pay anybody but their own army coming in. And if you're not getting paid and you don't have money to buy food, are you going to go to work? No, you're not going to. You're going to protect your families. Is the
0: king of Assyria responsible for the plague, or are they just coming in on the heels of the plague that's going to spread?
1: I haven't seen exactly who's responsible for the first, but by the time we get to the third plague, it's developed by Christ, our Heavenly Father, and um, it is really to wipe out the wicked. In fact, it turns on the king of Assyria's army and all of them that were against God's children, and they think that they have protection and everything, and they don't, and it takes over them, and it just wipes them out too. But the only way the third one can be stopped, which runs its course in less than 24 hours, mm-hmm. is through prayer and through sincere priesthood power, turning to God. And if you don't have that among you, you haven't developed it by the time the third one gets to you, you, you just there's no hope of
0: turning this around. It's all about turning to God once again. So you see three plagues uh mm-hmm. in rapid in, in succession each one worse than the other each one worse than the other there
1: isn't a larger time frame between um you know now that we've had this what's called a pandemic then we have a time period to this first plague. but each one decreases in the amount of time in between it it's just Uh, time seems to be, as we come across it, like the snail shell or the, when we look at the water going down the drain, it gets faster and faster until it gets to the center, which is Christ being here, that everything is speeded up faster and faster and faster. There's less time in between, whether it's a financial crisis, a plague, a series of earthquakes, or whatever we can watch for this time being sped up.
0: So, as I've mentioned before, in uh, before I started to interview you, I think I've mentioned it. Certainly, I've thought about it and spoken of it other places or written about it. But I see three general types of, uh, uh, we'll call them uh, judgments or disasters, I guess you could say, because they are disastrous in their effects. But there's three judgments or waves you've got man versus man, nature versus man, and God versus man. Is that an accurate? just general uh, description of what John talks about in the book of Revelation.
1: Exactly. And uh, the, the sad thing of it is, is that we don't understand the protection that we have received as Israelites, or as God's children, in having God's hand around us. But There's a point where our pride and our iniquity has arisen around us, and when God's protection is removed from us, and we, you know, as a people, that's when we really are attacked. And he allows us to be attacked without this protection until we renew this protection by coming unto him and acknowledging him in everything that we do.
0: So what I see, and I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at so many different prophecies and visions of the future, as well as scripture. But you've got, you know, John Taylor's vision of the future recorded by Wilford Woodruff. You've got Charles D. Evan, a patriarch in the church in the 1890s. He has a vision, and it's put into the, I think it's called the Instructor or the Contributor, uh, a church publication. You've got all these other various accounts. You have people who have had visions of the future, both within the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, and outside, like a a Ken Peters. And it all appears to be a very, very um, cohesive pattern, which is the people become wicked, and then things start to happen. The wheels start to fall off. You've got these um, environmental disasters. You have nature... um, uh, You have natural disasters you know we have uh increasingly um troubling uh environmental changes which were discussed by elder oaks in his talk preparing for the second coming that i mentioned a little bit ago he said that the the, even though we have more uh, data collection points about earthquakes and storms and better satellite technology still there is a definite uptick in the the amount of natural disasters which of course environmentalists are saying this is only because of anthropogenic or man-made changes to the weather which with the uh, carbon emissions and stuff like that but that aside um and there's people pushing back on that and this is not the place to talk about all of that but there are things going on in this planet we even have a potential uh a polar shift which occurs every 10 or twelve thousand years documented in the uh iron core uh, of the bottoms of oceans we can see that the iron core every few thousand years because the oceans are separating plate tectonics i learned this when i was in physical science 101 <laughs> when i first went to college that the iron core shows a uh, shift in polarity About every 10 or 12,000 years where the rock that cools, the magma that cools under the water, it goes from a plus to a minus every few bands of this uh, iron core that's coming up. So it's documented that there's been polar shifts and we're due for one. And I've also read accounts where the British Navy has been uh, noticing for 300 years, which is a very short time frame in terms of thousands. There's been polar irregularities that they've recorded throughout their oceanic uh, record keeping. And so we see some amazing things. And of course, uh, just to go one step further, I'm sorry, I keep talking about this. Am I okay to keep talking about this? Sure. Okay. One more thing is we were raised when I was younger in a world where we called it uniformitarianism, where slow changes occurred. Everything was slow over time. But guys like Velikovsky, who was a Russian scientist, was talked about that the Earth is dotted with examples of catastrophism, you know, dr- dramatic changes. And I've heard, since I read that, again, 40 years ago, I see more and more people talking about a meteor hitting the Earth, and that could have caused the dinosaur extinction. I mean, we're talking about massive, you know, uh Uh, things that are catastrophic in nature that have altered the course of the earth, instead of this slow, gradual change, we see catastrophes occurring and the scriptures are certainly painting uh, a picture as we approach the second coming of catastrophic events occurring, right? The earth wobbling to and fro as a drunken man. Well, how does that happen? I mean, you see all kinds of things leading up to it, but it all begins with what? It begins with the people on the earth who are become wicked and turn their backs on God. And then it says, now that the Gentiles have been passed the football about the gospel of Jesus Christ, following Paul's preaching and the wonderful success he had among the Gentile nations, we have, uh, the Lord has said, when they become fully ripe. And I agree with you, Sean, 100% when you say that we do not understand what it means when the lord withdraws his spirit we have been so sustained by and blessed in spite of our wickedness in spite of our shortcomings and there are a lot of really good people on the earth you travel this country around there are so many good people to bump into but in the last few years we see the influence of the adversary trying to change everything around and to accelerate his plan at the same time God's trying to, you know, accelerate his plan to prepare for the second coming. It's, it's really stunning when we stand back and look at our
1: world today and try to record it in our journals and compare what
0: happened in the past. I'm going to return. Yes, please do. I was going to have asked you to return to your,
1: I'm going to return back to this vision so as you know I was just talking about going over the cities back east and uh, places in the mountains where they weren't necessarily gathered. there began to be rumors in the camps of God and mm-hmm. reports of atrocities in the FEMA camps. The Alliance had been started to practice all the things of all in the Bible. To get people to deny Christ, there were beheadings, there were burnings of the stake, they were dismembering bodies while yet being still alive, and they start to feed the flesh of those that they tortured, and the blood to the the people that lived there. I mean, this was so horrific for me to see, and almost just completely shut down. But we see these same type of things in the, in the Book of Mormon and in the torture of the apostles after Christ left. And it's just horrific to try to acknowledge this. And then quietly, we began to speak among the groups throughout these hidden valleys. And we had a key word, and we decided that we were going to raid these camps and free the people there. And there was a certain night that we felt like the alliance would be most weakened. And then God was with us, much like George, he was with George Washington. There was no way that George Washington could have crossed the Delaware without that pea fog. And it was the first time that George Washington had been in the forefront of the attack and not behind. And when God was with them, they did the impossible as a much larger army. So together from the Canadian border to Arizona, we attacked the FEMA camps, freeing all the prisoners. God had aided us because the Alliance was more drunk than normal. And the raid was successful. We liberated more than 800,000 men, women, and children. And... As we brought them back to our camps and things, we assimilated them into our own families. If they didn't have parents, if the wives didn't have a husband for protection or something, we would take them in as a sister and as, uh, you know, as other children. We made them a, totally a part of our families and loved them and blessed them and prayed with them and shared our substance with them. It was just such a beautiful thing to just see the love and the camaraderie of all the people in the valley as they took them in. And these people, these orphans and men and women were just, it was just such a beautiful thing to watch us be Christ-like and take in them and watch them heal. And it was so stunning. And so that's why I liken this to the crossing of the Delaware in 1776, because I could see God's hand, and there was no way with the few of us that we had could be successful against such a a large opposing enemy like this.
0: The story of George Washington crossing the Delaware and what followed I hope everybody will take a few moments to read about and research that truly is a miraculous event after the continental army had suffered a number of losses um they devised this plan to cross the delaware on the night the night of a full moon by the way i looked it up they crossed the delaware and uh, surprised the hessians who had been uh, basically hired by the british to fight they were great fighters but by doing this uh it is like a scene from the book of mormon where people escaped i think it was Amlici, but i'm i've got to go review it but yeah the lord after people suffered and and humbled themselves the the lord heard their cries and there was a rescue provided and you've seen this being similar but on a much grander scale yeah, it's.
1: I'm glad I was finally able to write this and to feel the spirit that, you know, because it, it's not all gloom and doom, it, but to feel the love that we had as we helped these that were wounded among us and to try to heal them as Christ would heal them, it's just another exercise in testing us to see if we could truly be
0: Christ-like. So, to summarize, we've, we're we going to see a time when people are going to be, especially the most ardent believers, are going to be funneled into camps. They're going to be horrible conditions, which are almost too grotesque and horrible to describe. Um, their prayers will be answered, and then there are people who are gathering in what you call the inner, inner valleys, I think, right? Yeah, I like using that term. So I've seen other terms in other writings. Some people have called them uh, cities of refuge. Some have called them cities of light. I even saw one called cities of Joseph. So I've seen different terminology used. But these are located primarily in the West. And there are people who are being prepared to be gatherers or to assist those who are able to escape and to be assimilated into these safe places. So we we talked today about... Uh, in the church about the stakes are places where we gather for safety but these stakes are geographically spread over in also wicked areas where there has not yet been a separation we're talking about a time when there's post-separation and people are fleeing to these places Uh, i think that uh, president john taylor's uh, vision describes people with little knapsacks on traveling and mostly women To get to places of safety i'm assuming this is the same thing you're seeing
1: you know it depends on everything happens so quick the time when i see the women with the knapsacks and stuff is actually a a short period after we liberate these camps and they're coming after the snow melts and trying to get to the inner valleys there um there's we have three wars ahead of us, we have three plagues, we have three famines, three and every level of these kind of gets worse and worse. If we can't find a pattern of three, we need to go back and look again. Sometimes we've already gone through the first one and beginning the second one. We want to remember that this is our is the view of America a view of the promised land that I'm giving right here at this time. But I've seen them gathering to the mountains in Israel and having similar struggles as they gathered there.
0: So let's talk about the weather for a minute and how that turned out to be a blessing. In this last year, the West has been blessed and inundated with copious amounts of water and snow breaking all historical records for example in the state of utah i think 600 plus inches of snow and uh so during the conditions when they gather what will it be like and why will it be a blessing
1: when they first called to gather it doesn't seem quite right because you know here we are basking in sunshine we've got good weather we've got uh but you know we still have not a lot of abundance but we still have some abundance but we can kind of see the signs and summer comes through and more and more crop fails and things but those that have already gathered have got are being blessed and they actually receive more moisture than outside of the gathering areas and uh, then when this early winter hits and it hits hard That isolates these areas and it bogs down the king of Assyria, not only through weather and and extreme snow, but the earthquakes breaking up the highways and having they have to rebuild the highways or go hundreds of miles around an area to get back, which leaves the valley or the people protected. And so it really hinders the advance of the invading army
0: uh one one final question about this and then you can finish up with whatever else you want to 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 offer on this topic it it seems to me from the account or accounts that i've read about the gathering of good people and we're not just talking about church members or church members of the church of jesus christ Latter-day saints this is going to be people that want to live in peace and harmony are going to be drawn to these these areas regardless of their religious affiliation but um, it does seem that there are people who are being prompted to leave these areas now and that will continue on and uh, as time passes it will become increasingly more difficult to leave these areas or to avoid you know uh, being in a camp Um, but if for those who are listening to the promptings or who are you know permitted to leave or prompted to leave they'll be able to leave and avoid. And the longer it gets, the longer you wait, the more difficult it's going to be. Is that a true statement?
1: Yeah, there are three gatherings, and we're right now in the midst of the first gathering. And these are the people that are just hearing God's voice, selling their homes and moving to areas that they feel prompted. The second gathering is when the servant announces it and asks the people to come forth. And the third is after the servants announced it, and they realized the king of Assyria is is upon them, and they're trying to escape. And so you have three gatherings.
0: There was an example in one account where people were called to um, leave and it wasn't put in terms of the servant but it was put in terms of uh, church leaders uh asking for people to gather and someone up to the mountains in these camps and safe places but then they got bored (laughs) after a couple of weeks and went back to their no nothing happened that was imminent so they're like oh okay well that was a uh, a false call and then when they went back in uh got comfortable and then they were they were stuck and went through the really trying uh efforts to escape later on that's so true i definitely
1: saw that um it's funny how you know there's just all this sifting you know and testing it's not like we come to a certain area and all of a sudden we see christ it's a stage of developing us and getting us ready to see the Savior face-to-face. It's, you know, a gleaning um, and also a learning line-by-line, precept-on-precept.
0: Is there anything else that you wanted to add, Sean, about the December raid when uh, the Lord sends His people to uh, rescue people out of these camps? Just,
1: we really need to listen to the promptings of the
0: Spirit, and not
1: think like I'm the, you know, tell you got to follow everything that I'm saying or because everybody's journey is individual. I'm giving these and sharing these experiences in hopes that it will enlighten you to pray about your experience and what God would have you do and hope that it will verify maybe even some of the things that you've been told to do to so you'll have faith in your actions and faith in God
0: to act. Well, it was uh it's worth repeating a thousand times uh what President Nelson said, I think it was his first speech after he was uh called to be the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and i believe it's a takeoff of something hebrew c kimball said uh, years before but he said in the coming days it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding directing comforting and constant influence of the holy ghost and i i said a little while ago it's not he it didn't say in the coming years he didn't say the coming months or weeks he said in the coming days this is uh i think about five years ago that he's now said this and people uh and I'll say to our audience you got to follow the promptings of the spirit where you should be what you should do it should be on your mind and you should be thinking and contemplating through this influence of the spirit what your role is what your foreordained role is to uh bring salvation to others and to your family and to survive and and make the transition between these difficult times we're going to face and the wonderful future that is going to, you know, break forth upon this earth. And thankfully, the Lord is going to be merciful in that this time period that we're going to go through is relatively short, isn't it, Sean? Relatively short. It is. It's, it's going to happen so fast, especially with
1: time speeding up and everything I'm excited that next time we're going to talk about Isaiah 26. And Isaiah is giving a quick overview of a three year period of time. And then he'll go into more detail with other chapters. But I love that chapter 26 is this quick overview of a three year period of time. Very good.
0: Any else you want to add,
1: Sean? No, I think it covers it. Thank you so much, Greg.
0: You bet. And thank you everybody for listening in. This is Vision of Zion. Stay tuned for our next episode, which we'll be talking about more about the book of Isaiah. Thanks for joining us.